We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. And welcome to Light Years. We are recording Friday, January 15th, around 3 p.m. We've had appropriate time to digest what was one of the more disgusting games from the Warriors <laughs> recently. Andy Lou, where are you at with the Denver game last this night? Is, this is, it's better this way because if we had podcasted last night, we would have said words that we would have regretted. So uh, I think this is better. I think last night was one of the more most infuriating games of the season so far because I think there's a lot of good things that they've done, especially defensively. And it felt like they were playing, uh, it felt like they've never played together before. That was what it looked like what happened. When I saw uh, Monte Morris repeatedly get to the cup with zero defense or Jermichael Green shoot 80% from three or any of these guys just nonstop scoring, it was just, look, man, I get Denver's a good offense, but could you at least, at least look like you've played together before? Uh, it was disgusting. And honestly, I think they got lucky a little bit too because I don't think Denver shot the ball particularly well. Like they were, they missed a lot of open shots. Like it could have been even worse. So I think what I found exceptionally frustrating is we now have two games in a row that the win was there for them. And, you know, they, they got a little lucky earlier in the season. The Chicago game comes to mind. The, uh, Steph going for 60. They've, they've kind of come away with games, the Toronto game, that have been 50-50. So maybe this is just odds evening out, but I don't know, man. That was super frustrating. They're now 6-6, six and six, 500. They're a 500 team as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it's just a lot to get into. Yeah, they, they don't 
to me, if well, last night it wasn't so much about Steph. I think Steph came out and said he was he came out like he was playing against Portland that game where he's just like, all right, I'm going to get my scoring and that's going to be okay. But they didn't put together the same defensive effort against any of these teams in the last four games, right? Because I think if they had some semblance of that, they'd probably win last night's game. But you're right. This is about a 500 team. Um, I don't know who who you start with putting the blame on uh, to make changes moving forward. I think that's the biggest question. So Steve Kerr's repeatedly said he's not changing the starting lineup anytime soon. Okay. Um, awesome. And – and I get it. You know, Ubre started awful. You don't want to kill his confidence, right? We get a report today that he's being extorted. Like, I feel bad. Did you see that report? Yeah, it's, I did. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty rough. Maybe that's affecting him. Maybe not. But, like, you don't wish that on anyone. Um, but I was digging into the lineup data because I feel like we have a solid sample size now, right? The starting five has a 92.8 offensive rating, worst in the NBA. And that's, that's uh, with Draymond at the power forward. But if you take it farther back, when they started Juan Toscano-Anderson, they couldn't score. When they started Pascal at power forward uh, in place of Draymond, they also couldn't score. What we're seeing, in my opinion, at this point, is it's Steph and four guys that no one respects to shoot the ball. Like Wiggins may have started the year hot, but no defense is closing out on Wiggins uh, unless he proves he can hit 40% from three for like 50 games in a row, you know? Uh, obviously, no one's closing out on Ubre. No one's closing out on Draymond. And Wiseman's not even shooting the three anymore. So, you know how Steph is kind of a one man spacing? We've officially reached the limit, in my opinion. Like, I'm not asking him to – I'm not asking them to bring Clay Thompson back, although it would be nice. But, like, legitimately, I need someone else that a defender's willing to leave the free throw line for. You know, like, because right now, defenders are 15 – you know, they're, they're 10 feet away from Oubre. They are 10 feet away from Wiseman when he's at the three-point line. Same with Draymond. And you just can't generate anything. It also hurts your ability to finish inside. We see – all we see Wiggins, we see Wiseman miss bunnies, we see Draymond even try to finish, to be honest. Okay. Yep. And um, and that's because everyone's packing the paint on them and being like, beat us. It's like the opposite of the Rockets. Well, I think in a in a short series, I think they could probably get away with this lineup, or at least they can like have short bursts of success to where it's gonna be fine. Um, because some teams may not be used to playing against Draymond and Wiseman and, and some of these guys. But across the season right now, it's it's people like it's figured out, right? They know what Draymond's gonna do. He's gonna go in, he's gonna lob it to Wiseman, or he's gonna kick it to Ubre, or he's gonna try some weird wraparound pass. Like I think that used to work when you've got Kevon Looney there, but you also had Clay Thompson and Iguodala spacing the floor. I can't believe Iguodala spacing the floor is better than what they have today, but he is, right? So like all of that is, is things that are great. Even Harrison Barnes, right? Um, who's a better shooter than probably anybody that they have right now outside of Steph. Um, that works, but now it doesn't even matter. Like they don't, they could have like, even if you want to run a Steph Wiseman or Steph Draymond pick and roll, you could have a four, three scenario and it just doesn't matter. It doesn't because Draymond's not, he's not trying to shoot. He's not try, trying to score the layup when he does is disgusting. When he's shooting like, some eight foot floater, it's disgusting. Or he kicks it to Ubre and like, who cares? So it's like it's it also even matter if they have an advantage. It's not really an advantage. It's not really four on three when two of the four are wide open and can't hit the shot. You know, 
Like the four on three works because you know the defender is not leaving Clay Thompson in the corner. Like no, like or if he does, it's like you know, go for it, right? Three points. Um, so there's a serious shooting thing. One thing I noticed here is lineups with Steph and Lee together, 121 offensive rating. That would be best in the league and a positive plus minus. Match is also the eye test. When Damian Lee's out there, and I don't think Damian Lee's a particularly amazing player. He's just a competent shooter, and defenses close out on him. It opens the floor up. It, we're reaching this point where it's like they don't have enough shooting on the floor, and their arrogance about how shooting is overrated is starting to really show. They want well-rounded players, but well-rounded, in my opinion, is BS. Because well, they don't have them. Well, they also don't have them. But if you can't shoot, you're not well-rounded. Is Draymond really that well-rounded, or is he just an exceptionally smart passer? Because if he was well-rounded, he could score the ball. Like Shooting is part of being well-rounded. Steph Curry is well-rounded. Kevin Durant is well-rounded. Guys who slash and pass, like they're partially well-rounded, but if they can't shoot the ball, they're not well-rounded. Well, I would say that that Draymond and Steph both are. I would say the issue with Draymond is sometimes the passes he makes are great passes, but I always tell people like, yeah, they are great, but he's only looking to pass. So, he, of course, he's going to know who to pass to because he's never looking to shoot. It's the same way when I play. It's like I'm not really looking to shoot, so, of course, I'm going to make some nice passes. But doesn't like, that's, that, only, that's all he's doing. But doesn't I, that mean he's not well-rounded but, but like, I think, if he can't make the shot? Yes, yes, but I think the problem is not really with him uh, because did you really expect Draymond to shoot from three? I think the problem is Steve Kerr and the guys that they put in the situations that need to shoot the ball, right? Because if you have, if you want Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, who Andrew Wiggins is doing fine, but at the end of the day, he's not a high IQ player. It's like what you can't have those guys in those situations unless those guys are 40% three-point shooters because they're not going to make the right decisions. I feel like your, your, your point is more that Draymond does a lot of other good stuff that it's worth dealing with, whereas... Maybe the other guys who can't yeah. shoot don't do enough good stuff to make. They don't it do really right, and it's like they don't do any good stuff. Um, I, I guess Wiggins is, is fine. Um, he's just more fun defensively right now than offensively. Defensively, to me, he's about the same. And the new Bray's awful. And then and the Damian Lee is like it's like, it's like Gary Trent Jr. It's like he could do one thing really well. He can run. He's like not a dumbass, right? Like the rest of the guys are like absolutely well, dumbasses. Got, got you could throw special- Wiseman in there. He's got good he's got good spatial awareness. Like he understands if Steph is cutting to the left, he needs to go to the right instead of standing there and like waiting for Steph to run into him like Uber is like, It's times. literally just like elementary school basketball. So he's like he's like fine. And and what's funny is the relative difference between the two is that Damian Lee is that you just said what is like a 120 uh, offensive rating with him on the floor versus the the upper limit of what the Warriors can do when you put absolute zeros though around Steph. That's the problem. I don't think it's Draymond. I think it's the other guys around him. So it's like it's Wiseman who can't catch a basketball. It's Kelly. Yeah, Ewing. but but Draymond is part of it too. Like he's. I just don't know what else you would expect. Like we've seen this before for the last f- three years, right? Like I don't know. I didn't. Th- I didn't come I, into I the do, season thinking. I, I do agree with you. Like. If you're going to be a non-shooter, at least max out at every other aspect of the game, which he more or less does. Which right? I think Draymond has, yeah. Uh, even though he was not good at it last night, like he was fouling all over the place. But like he's played enough good defense this year that like I'm just going to write. It's like when Steph has a bad shooting night. It's not like, oh, does he not know how to shoot the ball? You know, it's like it happens, uh, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, shit um, we see on Warriors Twitter nowadays. But I think... I don't think they're going to make a lineup change soon, but I, 
especially against the Lakers. I wouldn't necessarily make the lineup change against the Lakers because it's just they're probably going to get beat down by the Lakers no matter what. Why would you, you know, maybe the game after the Lakers is when they insert Damian Lee into the lineup. But, like, the more I'm watching them, the more I'm like, you can't start every first quarter down 12 to 20 when the subs come in, you know? You can't, like, you can't start every first quarter in a six- to eight-point hole because this isn't 2016, 2017, where you know you can flip a game in a minute, you know? Like, they need to get better starts. And I've been patient, but I feel like it's time to probably start talking about lineup change. Uh, I also think that I agree with you. Um, And if it's a lineup change, actually, you know what? I'll have you answer this. If there's a lineup change, what would you do? I think I'd go Damian Lee. Over Oubre. So Wiseman stays in the starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. Because one, they're not getting shooting out of, I have a different take for Wiseman, but you know, do I want to start with Draymond at center? Like that's the alternative um, or Pascal. I mean, if whichever one you consider the center, no, um, I think it's important for Wiseman to play next to Draymond and Steph. Um, and I don't think like Looney has been terrible. I don't think that that, you know, at least Lee has been really productive and maybe you should just ride the hot hand, so to say, than, uh, than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Also, I think Ubre's best minutes for the Warriors has been playing like backup power forward. Do you know what playing in some of those small ball second unit lineups where uh, he can use his athleticism to slash more than what he's being asked to do right now, which is spot up? Well, also, well, he's also being asked to make plays that he's never made before, never done before in his life. Right. Cut. Get out of the way, set a back screen, nowhere to be whenever someone's driving, nowhere, nowhere to be on the opposite side whenever someone's sending a screen. I don't think he's ever done that in his freaking life. Um, no one's ever told him. So he reminds me of a situation where it's he's Eric Pascal. He's too dumb to be in the starting lineup where he has to make plays. So you put him in the second lineup. Literally, what does Eric Pascal do? He literally just goes right to the hole. <laughs> he literally gets the ball, pick a roll, dribbles right into the center. Somehow the center bounces off because he's strong as hell. And then he lays it in and he's extremely effective. Uh, that's what you do with, with Kelly Oubre. He's too dumb to play with the smart players, so you just put him in the second lineup, and he just has to do two things. Either He either goes straight to the hole, lays it up, or takes one of those weird in-between shots that he takes, or he shoots his three. <laughs> right? There's like no, there's nothing else that he's supposed to do. And then on defense, he, he's always played hard. So like he'll make mistakes, but he'll be fine. So I, I'm with you. Right? So there's like, it's, it's, and again, it's like, you're not paying him $80 million. You're paying him $13 million or $14 million. It's the tab. It's like, it, who cares at this point? Right. Also, um, with the, uh, uh, may actually, I'll get to the schedule later. Um, because the schedule loosens up a little bit. I think that's also a problem here is that they've played the Blazers, the Clippers, the Nuggets. Uh, they were supposed to play the Suns. They play the Lakers here. I think part of that's the problem. Um, I mean, definitely, but the West is, you know, maybe the West isn't as top heavy as it's been in the past, but there's also not a lot of bad teams. Like there's a lot of teams who are above 500 caliber, you know, like Denver's worse than they were last year. Right. But they're not, they're not a, they're not a walkover is all I'm saying. It's not like, uh, it's not like Detroit or Chicago or teams like that which Detroit they get again in the Minnesota and the New York. So although New York might be fine. Minnesota actually might be a walkover. So that's like the one example of a West team who's in all sorts of pain right now. But um, I want to take it to the second point here. So like their lack of shooting has been something I've brought up a lot. And 
it feels organizational at this point. If, you know, it's been mentioned by a lot of people over the years that they think shooting is overrated. They think it's wild how much teams want guys who can just shoot and can't do anything else. And I mean, all things considered, yes, I would like a guy. I'd rather have the 37% three-point shooter who can dribble and do a couple other things than the 40% three-point shooter who can't do anything else. Like that goes without saying. But right now they have a a bunch of 30% three-point shooters who won't shoot the ball and aren't good at shooting the ball. And I feel like that's a little bit of the arrogance of overvaluing your own Kool-Aid than just kind of work realizing what you need because you I don't think the league is getting less three-point heavy I think it's getting more so I think there's a baseline amount of shooting you need to be competitive and they often took for granted how much they had because they drafted the two best shooters I agree Um, a lot of this is solved if Clay is on the team today I also think that they could they also just misidentified who would be a smart player or not because I think you can get away with it a little bit I think you can get away with not enough shooting if you have players that are smart. Like LaMelo Ball today, he might be he might be a superstar. Um, and he might not be able to shoot, but he's so freaking good at passing and creating and running an offense that it just might be fine. Um, and I think that the Warriors kind of agree with that, right? They're saying like, well, I mean, they didn't draft LaMelo not because of him as a player. He drafted LaMelo because – didn't draft him because of his dad. But it's like they – I think they essentially agree with who LaMelo could be. It's, hey, if he can't shoot, but he could do everything else well, that's fine because you can get away with all that. Their problem is that they, don't, they haven't identified anybody that can do the other stuff. <laughs> it's like, that's why they drafted Jacob Evans, right? They're like, well, he can shoot maybe 37% from three, but he's so smart and he's so good on defense. He can do everything else that he can stay on the floor in crunch time. But Jacob Evans, I think, did not make the NBA because he couldn't shoot. Jacob Evans didn't make the NBA because he sucks at everything. <laughs> like or literally he's everything. To, he's just not up to NBA levels. A little too at small, anything. a little too slow. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. By the way, on the shooting note, you br- the, the Lamelo shooting thirty three percent from three. You're right. He's not a shooter. He's streaky. Maybe he becomes a shooter. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, maybe right. he's just as likely. He's in some ways he's like Ubre. He's just as likely to go four for six as he is to go zero for six from three. Right. Like some, he's going to just ebb and flow but he's willing to shoot the ball. And that takes me to James Wiseman. How many threes do you think Wiseman took yesterday? I mean, he took a couple mid-range jump shots. Did he even take a three? I want to say no. He did not take a three. He has not taken over since the Milwaukee game where he went three for four, albeit a lot of it was in garbage time. He has averaged one three-point attempt a game. and. Part of me is wondering why, because, okay, I don't think he's going to be a splash brother, but he shows he can shoot the ball. And for me, if he's a big man with that athleticism, with that ability to finish inside, that's great. But he has to be able to hit the outside. Hitting the outside shots what makes him a unicorn, right? What, what makes Anthony Davis a unicorn to you, right? Like, Anthony Davis is the best defensive player in the league, probably. He's one of the best finishers inside. His handle's ridiculous for a guy of his size. But the fact that he's just an elite jump shooter is what makes him unfair, in my opinion, right? That's kind of a separator for him. And it's weird to me that they're not letting Wiseman shoot or they're not trying to because, to me, his developmental path should kind of look like Przingis. I think he's 
has, I think it'll be better than Porzingis, but Porzingis lets it rip from three, no matter what. And that opens up the floor for Luca. Like what I'm talking about here is if Wiseman lets it rip. He's going to open up the floor for slashers for Steph. He's also going to open the floor for himself because if people start contesting him from three, because his shot looks good, he's going to get even easier dunks instead of a lot of these opportunities we're seeing now where he loses the ball because everyone knows he's coming to the rim. And also he has hands of a midget. Um, the, the, I agree with you. One of the biggest uh, things coming into the season, I think, was how the Warriors were going to develop James Wiseman. I think the coaching staff knows that. I think it's, it's really up to them to build James Wiseman into a superstar, right? Like, I think we all think he's going to be a fringe star maybe if he were by himself. Maybe he'll be like one of those losing player he, he types, has but he'll tools, put up numbers, sure. right? To me, it's the shooting. It's also if he's not going to shoot threes and he's going to shoot 12-foot jump shots, then can he pump fake and take it to the hole, which you don't see enough. There is just way too much settling for. And we're saying this not blaming it on Wiseman, maybe. Maybe it is. But I think if you're Kerr, it's like you can't just take a dribble and dunk the basketball. I think there are too many times where you just watch him settle for a 12-foot jump shot. And just why? And you're, Unless you're Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, why? Like, there's, there's absolutely – and he's making them, right? Sam, like he's making those. It looks – it's beautiful. Like it's going in from 12 feet. It's easy money. The problem is he's also shooting him with like 11 on the shot clock. It's like, what are we doing here? Um, he's, not, he's not 55% from mid-range, so why shoot that shot? When, like you said, you either shoot the, shoot the three, which I, you know, I think Chris Asperzinger shoots way too many threes. I don't enjoy, actually enjoy watching him play at all because he's a seven-footer. The hell are you doing at the three-point line? Uh, but there has to be some part of Wiseman where it's like, can you be aggressive and actually go to the basket, even if it's something where it's, you're going to lose the ball or you can't catch the ball or whatever because – you're freaking seven two, and he's. Did you see the difference yesterday between him and Bobo? Bobo seven two. I guess Wiseman seven one. But the difference is that Wiseman is like he's built like an actual like monster. Yeah, Bobo, and Bobo looks like so he's just skinny. So he looks skinny. like he's like a hundred. He looks like he's the same weight as you and I, despite being seven two. So it's like, right. what are we doing here? Just having him coast around, being seven one, and just shooting ten foot jump shots. And so, so I'm I'm with you. Um, I think that's more in the Warriors though. It does appear that the Warriors it does appear that the Warriors goal is to have him figure out the basics, which is driving to the the rim, being more physically yeah, catching the basketball in traffic, being more physically aggressive. Obviously, we're not even talking about the defensive end, but the basics of being a center on defense in the NBA, then develop his three-point shot right now. I get that, but I also wonder if that's too old school an approach. Like Developing now, a three point it, shot is not hard <laughs> for for Wiseman. For Wiseman, no, because it's no one's going to contest the peak of it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that it his doesn't shot matter. Is slow. Yeah, yeah. Like, like what? I, no, I'm agreeing with you. Like what? Yeah. What? There's no issue with like developing. He's what's there to develop? Just get out there and shoot the three. Like the guy can shoot the three. I mean, he airballed a couple times, but he can shoot the three. So there's nothing to develop there. One of the problems what I saw, which I thought was hilarious yesterday, was he had the ball. Um, I think Wiggins, like he calls for it. Wiggins throws it to him. Uh, he catches it and brings it down. And one of the sh- one of the guards on the Nuggets just strip it away. And it's literally Sam, the shit you learn in sixth grade. And I and I think James Wiseman is a sixth grader right now. Like that's the type of basketball play where you're like, well, oh, he's jumped. Was- he's jumped a lot of levels. So like the speed <laughs> of the game, exactly. But I want to exactly. <laughs> but I want to point this out. Ubre is taking five and a half threes. Wiseman's taking one point three. Do we really want that? 
I, I don't know what the appropriate balance of attacking the rim and shooting threes is, but at this point, he's only attacking the rim and he's not really shooting threes. Um, I, don't to your point, I don't even think he's attacking the rim enough. That's that's his problem. No, no, he's and, and soft. I mean, that's and the part problem. part. I mean, part of that is also there's no space on the floor. Like yeah, everyone's yeah. trying to do the yeah. same thing. It's just a. So I'm I'm getting back to my 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 initial point here, which is there has to be a bigger priority on generating good space with this team. Like, remember the the Clipper game? That run came when they surrounded Steph by Mulder and Damian Lee. Mulder and Damian Lee are kind of fringe NBA players for the most part, but they can really shoot the ball, right? Even if it was undersized, at a certain point, you got three dudes who can shoot the ball and you're willing to play fast. You could be a nightmare for teams. Even a team like the Clippers who has, you know, probably the best collection of perimeter defenders in the league. I don't know that anyone's got a better starting trio defensively than Beverly, PG, and Kawhi, right? They still have issues with speed and shooting. And it just boggles my mind because the Warriors kind of created that game and they're so opposed to playing it. It's like, it's like they're trying to prove a point about basketball instead of sticking with what wins. <laughs> Sam, if I asked you right now, uh, let's say, for example, uh, I'm, I'm looking up. I'm look. I agree with you. I'm looking up free agents right now in the NBA. Um, there are some guys that are still on teams and early bird, whatever. But what if I told you Marco Bellinelli uh, is a free agent right now? Let's say for some reason they can get him. I forget the logistics. Let's just say he's on the team. Would he not be a better fit with the starting lineup spacing the floor than someone like Kelly Oubre who can't shoot right now? Exactly. And but they wouldn't do that, but they wouldn't do that, right? Because he has to learn the system, quote unquote, right? He has to be able to do all these things where it's like, well, he's actually probably a pretty smart player, but he's probably going to be a better fit just off the fact that he can shoot. And I agree with you that that's probably the worst problem because they want to put through, they want to put them through this. What are they? They probably call it like a PhD in basketball. Do you think Kirk and Kent or not Kirk Kent? Do you think Steve and the Steve and the squad say that like, this is a PhD in basketball when he talks about their system? You know what I mean? Like all these guys have to learn all this stuff when it's like, you know what? You know what James Harden does and can win a ton of games, or LeBron James literally just throw some shooters that can probably defend around them and just run an elite offense out there. That's it. It's literally, it's not hard. Shoot a bunch of shoot a bunch of threes. Have an offensive superstar like Steph, like Harden, like LeBron, and you'll be fine. Luka Doncic. And there's Doncic, and, there's t- and there's tears to it. Um, I want to make this point because I feel like we always get misrepresented. People are like, you just want to run the Harden offense around Steph. Oh, that's right. I do not want to run the Harden offense of just 4,000 high pick and rolls around Steph. What I'm saying is the Warriors, honestly, like I've made this analogy to death and it probably annoys most of our listeners, but they're like the, the 2018 San Francisco Giants who have no one who can hit a home run and they're wondering why they can't win games when every other team has like 10 guys in the lineup hitting 20 plus bombs. At a certain point, there's a baseline amount of power you need in baseball and there's a baseline amount of shooting you need in basketball in 2020 to matter. The Warriors have been able to get away with less shooting because they had the two best shooters of all time. And I mean, KD might be the third best, right? Like, and, and he's probably the best all-around offensive player of all time. So it's like they've been able to get away with – I don't think there's any other combination of players who could make Livingston, Iguodala, and Draymond playable at the same time. Not because they're bad players, but because 
they have kind of the same skill set, right? They're all the same player. And I think with the Warriors, I'm seeing this thing where they just, we even saw it in the finals when Clay went down and you had Iguodala, Livingston, Draymond, all PhD in basketball level IQ. I mean, they literally are, right? They couldn't shoot. They didn't have enough spacing. There's a, what I'm getting at is, you know, people think of three-point shooting as like the last thing you add to a team. I think it's the first thing you got to add to a team. I think you got to generate the spacing and then figure out a system after that, you know? You know what, you know, what's, you, know, the, the, you know what the crazy part is? It's not, you're not even saying something that's like, like this is not the COVID vaccine. This is not something that's like, it takes a really Moderna, smart, Moderna yeah, Sam. Any Pfizer, you don't need Pfizer to figure this thing out. Like it's, it's relatively obvious. The issue here is the ego of the people that are in charge. Like that's the real issue. Um, you're right. The, the problem is that I don't think Steve is there. I don't think he cares. They mainly played seven minutes in the first half last night. Why? Yeah, and, that's, and that's the thing. Why? This- I, don't think, I don't think they have enough shooting on the roster, but they're not even playing the positive shooting. They Shooters have. that they have exactly. Like even if they had Justinian Jessup, who's going to shoot 48% from three. And that, and that Kirk and <laughs> New Cal, New Cal yeah. Corver. Let's say, yeah, let's say Kirk was right. Let's say Kirk was right. Let's say Kirk said, hey, like, we got you a shooter. He's a bit of a creator. He's long enough to defend ones and twos, maybe threes. He's good enough to play in the NBA. He's next Joe Ingles. Kirk uh, might not even play him. That's the problem. Like, even if he gets guys that are good in today's system, Kirk's not going to play him. So it's not even like a, like a, like a one-person, like, it's a two-fold issue where the front office is putting, like, not only are they screwing up developing guys or screwing up finding guys like Smiley, then even if they do find someone, that Kerr's not even going to like them. Or if they say, hey, well, how about this free agent, right? Or how about this person we want to get? Uh, and Steve Kerr's going to say no, or that he doesn't want the guy, Wes Matthews. Like, the list, the list is like... What about Kendrick Nunn? What about yeah. Chris Boucher? Well, I mean, hey, front, Boucher's my guy. Yeah. The front, the front office definitely has made some mistakes. Jordan Poole and Jacob Evans yeah. are the two that really come to mind as wasted picks. You know, Kelton Johnson would have been nice. Uh, Brogdon would have been nice. But that's neither here nor there. Um, they've still found guys here and there. Like, the fact that they just let Chris Boucher go, and he's like, well, he couldn't – he didn't have a handle. I'm like, well, he could block shots and hit threes when he was on the Warriors. He was doing that in Santa Cruz. Why can't you fit a guy in who can do two things that you need into your system? You know, I'm not saying you should be developing Chris Boucher into Anthony Davis. I'm saying every team could use a big man who blocks shots and hits threes. Period. Period. <laughs> and, and what's funny is Toronto's not even playing Boucher enough. Like their their problem is that they're trying to fix, they're trying to play Alex Len and Aaron Baines over him. And Boucher is obviously better. Nick Nurse got a little Steve Kern. I'm gonna tell you that. He got a little Steve Kern up. But the point is the point is taken, right? Like, like Steve Kerr, I think he might have jokingly said like uh, the dribbling or the hander or whatever. And it's like, dude, who the hell cares whether a, a seven-footer can handle or not? Like it's great if he does. Honestly, we're not here for that. And Boucher's a shooter too. Like the guy can stroke the ball. I'm just um, saying, yeah, if Don Nelson was coaching this team, and I hate to be the guy who goes back to Nelly. At least you didn't say Mark Jackson. Well, if Mark Jackson was coaching, they would be playing three bigs at the same time. So that'd be an even bigger problem. <laughs> He'd be playing Pascal at shooting guard. I, I, but I guarantee you right now, <laughs> Kelly Oubre would be confident. Like, I, I guarantee you Kelly Oubre would be a better shooter than he is right now if, if Mark Jackson was coaching. Dude, you remember Mark Jackson playing Draymond Green at, at shooting guard? It's so funny to think about, but anyway. Um, My years. Dream on a great passer. He knew. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is, we're, we, you know, 
if, if someone like Don, if Mike D'Antoni was coaching the Warriors, I guarantee you um, Wiseman would be taking more than one three a game. I guarantee you Damian Lee would be higher than the seventh man in terms of minutes on this he roster. Might, he might be the – he might be paying 30, 38 minutes a game if, if no yeah. one was coaching. And, you know, I, I, I do get both perspectives. I do get that Kerr at his core is a teacher and he wants to – develop guys for his way but i mean there's also got to be a little reality i don't i just don't think they have enough shooting i think they need to play their shooters more they need to play a little faster with their shooters more their wins have come that way their win against the clippers came because they went small stuff with the second unit and shooters and they went on a massive run their win against portland similar their win against um sacramento similar i mean they they've just been more productive when they've mixed in damian lee michael molder and they probably would be more productive if Wiseman's willing to take a couple more threes and he doesn't look terrified to shoot out there. It doesn't look, you know, they have a chance to create a major unicorn in James Wiseman. Wiseman has a chance to be Rudy Gobert with Giannis's explosion and Chris Stapp's or Bosch's three-point shot. Like that's, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously that's like extremely the best case outcome, but this guy like, just created like Exodia or some shit. Jesus. <laughs> but uh, you get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he, no, I hear but you. like without the shooting, it's not as, it's not as valuable. So I, I do want to see the shooting come around more. And in general with this team, I just want to see them shoot more. I want to see them put more shooting on the floor. Uh, yes. Uh, because I think, uh, there has to be some some tipping point with Steph and what's going on out here because uh, he, you can't just he can't. There's going to be more games if this continues where he scores 35 points a game and they lose. Um, one more thing on the Steve Kerr stuff before we get to questions here, or maybe when we get to questions, is that sure. he didn't want to start Draymond Green, right? He wanted David Lee was on this team and he only started Draymond Green because David Lee got hurt um, in the, in the preseason and and Draymond took the job and, and never let it go. Um, I don't think Steve Kerr is going to change too much of what he's going to do until something is super obvious. So Sam, maybe if the Warriors end up going small in the second half of the third quarters and start going on 18 and five runs, like four games in a row, then he'll figure it out. But I think other than that, he's going to be pretty, like, it's not going to change. Like, I don't, I don't, I think the listeners should kind of know that it's not going to change. We've seen the pick and roll stuff. We talked about five years. It's not going to change. Right? That stuff is not going to change until it's too late or until like something crazy happens. So I'm really not sure it's going to be kind of on. I think it's going to be kind of on Steph and Draymond to just kind of be like, we're going to we're going to have to change this up ourselves. But I don't know how they do that. I don't know because Steph is not LeBron um, and Steph is not James Harden. Um, really quick in that manner. Really quick. What do you what do you want to see on Monday versus the Lakers? Um, Warriors are obviously not. They're still a work in progress, and the Lakers are the best team in the league. They haven't even looked that great, and they're on autopilot dominating, right? So is there anything you're looking for? <laughs> to be honest, not, no. I am most fascinated by James Wiseman, Anthony Davis. I want to see if Wiseman's guards him. I want to see what he looks like against them. It's probably going to be bad, but I think we'll – Sure. If, if Wiseman <laughs> shows flashes, though. Um, I think I think it'll be great to watch. I think one of Wiseman's, Wiseman's biggest issues, the more I'm watching him now, is that um, it's the feel stuff that it's kind of not there right now. Um, and sometimes you just have that, though. I think for someone like Draymond Green, you kind of just have that, and you can kind of just figure it out. 
Um, I think with Wiseman, it's going to take time, which is back to the annoyance with the development part with James Wiseman, because they, if they screw this up, I mean, this guy is too athletic and too talented. They can't. Out, so they can't screw it up, man. It already it already looks like um, it already right, looks like Lamelo is going to be a player. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Williams has looked good, in my opinion, on a, yeah, but on a smaller I, scale. Obviously, yeah. Tyreek Tyrese Halliburton has been the rook, you know, the, the rookie of the year through the first month. Like he's just been the talk of the rookies, right? I think he's um, still. I, I would, but I would say still I, I, with all the rookies, like Halliburton. I think it was not obvious that he was going to be that, but it makes sense, right? Like I think whoever it was obvious he was going to be good. He's also a little yeah. older than them, so yeah. not to say that he doesn't have upside. But usually, a guy who's played two to three years of college hits the ground running a little quicker than a one and done. Yep. Yeah. Or in, so, in Wiseman's case, a none and done. <laughs> yeah, a like, three like, game and done. <laughs> he truly looks like he hasn't played in like eight years. And if he's played, the last I, time he's played, he wasn't playing against Nikola Jokic. No, he was playing against Andy Lou. Um, uh, honestly, yes, <laughs> yes. It, it, and I actually, um, I don't think you're saying feel. To me, it just all looks too fast for him, which is to be expected. He played college games against D two teams, missed a full year, and now he's out here against uh, Giannis and Jokic and. AD on Monday. Of course, it's too fast. If you if, if you put him on the new, let's say you put him on the Hornets. Let's say the Hornets had drafted him for some reason, which the team that nobody cares about, nobody watches, um, and he just got all the minutes and all the shots that he wanted, like Lamelo Ball is right now, because nobody gives a crap. Um, he'd probably look better than he is right now, like honestly, because he could do whatever he wants. He can. He'll probably develop bad habits. Like he'll probably. You mean won't you mean, mean kind of like how he looked in the first two games where he was. He, exactly. he feasted in garbage time. Like, it, you know, the Nets. Every the, game is garbage the Nets, time. The Nets yep. and the Bucks destroyed him. And then they're like, well, let's just let James, you know, it's fourth quarter against second stringers, third stringers. Uh, obviously, he's a rookie. We need to get him minutes. This is a perfect opportunity. So, I bet you, like, a heat average, because he wouldn't foul because he wouldn't play defense, right? Draymond wouldn't yell at him, so he'd never actually try to foul like someone. So he probably averaged, like, 19, 10, and 3 <laughs> on, like, on, like, 28 minutes. Because he could just do whatever the hell he wants. And only, like, it's like Cat. It's like Cat in a losing organization. Although we just saw Cat at COVID again, which is awful news. So hopefully it'll be okay. Um, it's like that situation where he just, in a losing organization, you don't build any habits. You could do whatever the hell you want. Like, Wiseman would probably look great. The problem here is that they're forcing him to do like 18 different things. And he's just like, ah. And then he ends up fouling someone, you know. So it, By the it, way, it I want to give Charlotte a shout out. They're not starting LaMelo. They're playing him 25 minutes a game. He's obviously been exciting, uh, but they're trying to slow play him for the exact reason that you are saying, which is they know he, you know, if they just get, if they hand over the reins to him, he's going to probably develop some awful habits. Instead, they're like, we're going to make you do play the right way and it's going to work out. And it's, it's been good for them. So, um, you know, for all this talk about a bad draft, I don't think it's a terrible draft and I don't have a problem with Wiseman at number two, but they need him to be very good because, um, you know, if if in four years, LaMelo is an all-star and, you know, Patrick Williams looks like a good two-way wing and all this stuff. And Wiseman is just kind of okay. That's going to be awful. You know, I think that's, I think that's, I think, I, I, I think that's on the coaching staff too. I think so much is, I think I've seen enough so far to think he's at least going to be, he should live up, up to the top two. Yeah. He's at least, I mean, at least right. So 
that would be on that would be on Steve. If, if for some reason three years from now he's shooting thirty two percent on two attempts of three a game, like you're saying, um, that's a problem. Or if he's not a good defensive player, right? Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get you your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That is bwhustle.com slash join. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-pot with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash light years now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash LightYears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Let's move on, though. All right. Um, 
we have we didn't talk about this because it happened between podcasts, but uh uh longtime friend James Harden is a Brooklyn net. Uh, I just want to get some thoughts on this before we get to questions. <laughs> you know what? Like uh it's weird. It's it should should we do a little bit of a uh, remembrance of the Warrior Rockets rivalry? You had an incredible tweet. I would like you to read out if you have it in front of you. But <laughs> my favorite Harden moments when he fit. turned it over 13 times, when he turned it over three times in crunch time. The, the worst one for me is always going to be that game six in 2019 where Steph went nuclear. It was a tie game. Harden had a chance to go blow for blow with Steph. And Harden turns the ball over in the backcourt multiple times to like Clay Thompson and Iguodala. And Steph, on the other hand, is just taking PJ one-on-one. Never compare them, please. <laughs> I will never – I will. Ne- the one thing I will never forget about James Harden in a Rockets uniform is that he just never seemed to give a shit uh, in any moment ever. It could be a game seven in the midst of 0 for 27 from three. Didn't look like he cared. They could be up going 3-2, about to beat the freaking greatest team of all time, uh, KD Warriors. Didn't give a shit. Um, just no matter what, 13 turnovers, which I was there for that game, which I thought was hilarious. That was actually the first, uh, I think the first time the Warriors saw Harden up close choking, did not care. Like he just truly did not care. And you watch him leave the Rockets, did not care. Shows up 30 pounds late. I mean, 30 pounds overweight, did not care. Says that the team can't win, not care. Comes out today in a Nets press conference and says that he's a great leader. Just doesn't care. And I bet you, Sam, Elite about- leader. Elite leader. I bet you two weeks from now, he's going to be skinny again. I bet you. He just doesn't care. He doesn't. He's going to lose with KD and Kyrie in the second round of the, the Eastern Conference Finals to the Indiana Pacers. Will not care. Like, that guy just, he just he's incredible. <laughs> he's incredible. I would be more excited to see him and KD play together if the Kyrie situation wasn't <laughs> going on. Uh, but the, the whole Kyrie situation just is, it might be the most unlikable thing I've seen in the NBA in my 30 plus years you know like i don't well okay so i wasn't watching this like a two-year-old but uh you know in my lifetime of watching the nba i can't think of someone more unlikable than this version of Kyrie irving who just takes off for no reason doesn't tell anyone anything more or less is just disrespecting steve nash and no one will say anything because they're afraid of being uh well he's called out He's so obviously full of shit that they, that it's obvious to anybody that knows anything what's going on in the league, but you're right. They won't call him out because he's going to, he, what is Kyrie going to do? He's going to go to social media and say, I had to take some mental time off or something. It's it's such a, you know, and and I get it in 2020, 2021, uh, no one wants to open themselves up to those accusations because the accusation it's, it's almost like you're guilty with, you know, but it's like, we can't even have an honest conversation about a dude who is, paid a max contract and just decides he doesn't want to play if if you don't uh, want to play retire man just retire that's all i'm saying i was gonna say like if like if if uh let's say carthy towns came out and he decided to take a week off because of what happened i think everyone would be like all right that makes sense but i think the most most people most insiders anyone with sources sam sources knows that this is all full of crap like it just the guy's full of shit and it just just show up just show up or don't oh i am all in though i am all in on the nets i really hope Kyrie comes back and plays because i think this is this is just absolute comedy and i need to see these three players on the court in a playoff game down six the dribble brothers the dribble brothers i sam i need it i, I need it yeah. i need these guys 
down 3-2 in a series against the Bucks, uh, and I just need to see what happens. I need to see Kyrie dribble 23 seconds and just either clank or swish, doesn't matter. I need it because all uh, some of this is Warriors-related too. KD. KD loves Kyrie and has gone on the record, off the record, as he thinks Kyrie is on the same level as Steph Curry. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. It's going to be hilarious when it comes to playoff time. Um, so, I thought, yeah. I was going to say, so I want to just tie this point a little stronger. Um, part of the reason the Kyrie thing sucks is like, okay, I, I do think Harden and KD would be super explosive, but they would also have some major blind spots, particularly with like Harden's style of play. And let's just say um, – limited effort on defense or off ball. Uh, but when you throw in the Kyrie thing, it's just, I, I just feel like it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to turn into a drama instead of about basketball. And to me, it just becomes exhausting. Like it's, I, I don't even want to watch it sometimes when it's not about basketball. And that's a little, that's a little annoying because like Katie's playing out of his mind and I'd like to see him in kind of a better situation. I was listening to the GOAT podcast, one of my favorite podcasts outside of the Light Years podcast. Um, Shout out that, Sharp and Gulliver. Yeah. Uh, they had mentioned, um, and I think we talked about this before, is that nobody gives a crap about Harden on the court. Nobody cares. Like, nobody watches, right? And I think the same thing goes for the Brooklyn Nets. Nobody cares or watches this team. Like, it's all cool. Like, you can watch the drama unfold on TikTok or TNT, but nobody really cares about watching these guys. And that's the core of the NBA problem today. If you want to talk about ratings, which we're not here to do, but it is fascinating to see that Harden, one of the greatest offensive players of all time, gets traded, goes to New York Nets, uh, Brooklyn Nets, my God, gets to play with his uh, Oklahoma City buddy. And really, nobody's going to watch it. Um, but we'll see. That yeah. was, I thought it was a good point. It is a good point. Um, you want to do a couple questions and then we're going to do all the questions on premium, which will be up tomorrow also. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, from average cap, how in this from the discord chat, how many pieces away are the warriors from being a championship team? Just clay Thompson, one DPE. DPE JaVale, get out of JaVale. here. Um, I'll let you take that. Yeah, so they are they are clay and a piece away, um, I would say, from winning a championship, unless he told me that Andy Davis got hurt. Um, and the DPE piece probably has to be a big or piece. Like, if you told me this team was getting Clay Thompson and P.J. Tucker fully healthy uh, come, come, come February, I would tell you that they're a championship contending team. Um, and then they trade Kelly Oubre's contract, or they, they somehow get Andre Godala back. Yeah, there's not enough juice left. But other than that, I don't think that they are right now. Um, unless they get the injury luck from like two of the top two. Well, I, I would say really only the Lakers in the West, I would say. Like, I guess they could beat any of these teams. But yeah, I would say they're missing Clay and at least at least uh, uh, one or two pieces. Um, so if they got back pre-injury Clay, I think they are. It's not that they need more than that they need to retool around the margins the, they need a the, better guy than wanamaker they need you know they the, I'm, I, they need to like they need to they need to swap like wanamaker for Derek rose like stuff like i think uh if you could get me pre-injury clay and pre uh free agency because they would have gotten better players if they had pre-injury clay on the team before sure so so th- then what we're talking about is like remaking the bench with some better role players but not like you know we're not talking about like oh they need uh you know 
Joel Embiid or Bradley Beal or something like that. You know, like we're saying, you know, pre-injury clay is enough in terms of top star power. And then it's just about like, can you find the right role players to go around there? Um, yeah, like they get Clay, they get Marcus All, Avery Bradley. Um, you know, they throw some people around there. I guess there'd be no DPE, right? Because Clay's healthy. So they they probably put together a pretty nice team. Kelly Oubre with the with the TPE, so stuff like that. So um, I, I I've heard some people say if they do that, they'd be like a fringe contender. With that, I disagree with. Um, so I guess that's the larger answer. To that a lot question. of a lot of the fringe contender thing comes down to what you think of what Clay is going to be when he comes back. But with that said, I'm I'm going with the you know we're we're talking about if Clay is going to be the Clay we remember. Um, the second thing is, uh, you know, Wiseman's development will probably do more than anything in free agency. If Wiseman takes a big step in year two, that's like signing an impact player right there, you know? So to me, it's, uh, it's, it's about reshuffling. I don't necessarily know that they need a superstar, although it would always help, you know, like I wouldn't say no to a superstar, but, um, it's it's in flux. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not ready to answer it more completely than that. Um, okay. From Baltage, would you prefer the Warriors end up being a top four seed in the West and lose in the first round? Um, lose the first round pick they they have, or land somewhere in the play-in and get to keep a mid first round pick in this supposedly loaded draft? That's a great question. I guess it also depends where Minnesota is, right? I saw a question earlier from average cap that asked, are you concerned about the wolves being too bad this year to the point where the pick would not convey? Um, I think the odds get flattened. So I don't think it's like a, if you have the worst record, in we're going to, we're going to have to wait on ping pong balls one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah like I don't think that matters too much. Just to keep hoping that they lose. Um, and the Warriors play them twice. So if they beat them twice, it would be nice. Um, if the I guess it's a, if the Warriors are a top four seed, how the hell did they do that? Right, that would be my question. Like, how did they do that? Did Draymond suddenly shoot thirty six percent from three? Because if he did, screw the pick. <laughs> like that's good enough for me. Like that tells me that you got three more years of the contract. If Draymond's going to shoot thirty six percent, I'll take that in the next three years over a first round pick. Um, uh, but but it's like how did how did that happen? If I had to pick, yeah, I'd probably give me the play in because I'll take Steph Curry and Draymond in a play in game. And they're probably not going to win the West anyway. So I'll take them in a play-in game and I'll take your chances after that um, and then keep the pick. Um, so it's really dependent. Like, unless you tell me some, like, did James Wiseman suddenly become like a superstar in the second half of the season, Sam? And that's how they ended up as a top four? Because if that's the case, give me that over a pick. I'm going to take the pick. I think they need... <laughs> BJ Boston. I just think I just think they need more picks. Not necessarily to... Uh to draft like they don't need 15 smileys on the roster although i'm sure they would love it um i think it's just like it's nice to have a pick so you can throw a pick to trade for a vet you want you know you know what i'm saying so i would rather they have more tools in the tool chest because the way i'm looking at it is they have an opportunity to be a big time contender when clay comes back next year but to do that i think they need to make a lot of moves around the margins they need to do better than Wanamaker and Damian Lee as your backup backcourt. They need to do better than Looney as your backup center. And to do better in those margins because they're over the cap, they're probably going to need to make trades. To make trades, you have to have stuff people want to trade for. Something people want to trade for is a draft pick. So 
I think it would make sense for them to keep the pick because they, they're not going to be able to generate cap space to sign guys. So they need those, uh, those tools to, you know, not PJ Tucker, but let's say the next PJ Tucker or someone like that, where you're like, you know what, we'll give you a first round pick. You send them to us. And they're like, that's cool. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess I was just giving I was just hedging a little bit. Uh, I hear, I hear what you're saying though. If Draymond shooting 37% and Wiseman is Anthony Davis, they don't really need the pick. Yeah, those are, those aren't possible. And those are unrealistic. <laughs> those aren't realistic. So I was, that's why I agree with you. Um, overall, if, if, if it kind of stays the way it is, maybe they get lucky and get a fourth. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll take the pick. The pick. All right. Um, from option zero. Well, no, I'm going to say the option zero question for, uh, for premium. Um, Oh, shit. I see his question. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. We will see you guys next time. We're going to leave it there. We're going to get to all these questions on premium, and we'll pod after the Laker game. Subscribe, rate five stars. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.